The champ is here. We will definitely not shut up and dribble. The champ is here. I must be the greatest. The champ is here. I'm going to continue to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will I not, not lose. lose. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. Hey, mate. He is the DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom, covering it all, laughing at it all, while providing the platform to be heard. Well, to welcome this guest, it is all in his name. So, Black in Sports congregation, well, let's welcome Bishop. Jeffrey B. Dudley, Sr., Ph.D., Doctor of Ministry, and a Senior Pastor of New Life. Let's clap it up. Yes, yes. All right, Bishop, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. I mean, man, I feel honored to be a part of your podcast here. This is it's just awesome. And now you've given me a whole new congregation, too. I heard the intro. <laughs> Absolutely. So, hey, how we like to start the show is um, we ask you for a shoot your shot moment, man. And uh, this is just a time where you bet on yourself and you went out and win or lose, you went for it. Okay, shoot my shot on anything. It could be, uh, you know, starting your career. It could be, you know, why you decided where to, what school you went to or how the first lady became the first lady. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shoot my shot. I mean, you know, um, I tell you right now, though, shooting my shot tonight is all about Breonna Taylor. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I am really totally... Um, let me try to put it this way. Uh, I had a uh, Caucasian pastor that is a friend of mine reached out and text me. And he asked me, how was I? Wanted me to know that he was praying for me. And um, I told him I was completely frustrated with America. Mm -hmm. um, I wear, I have worn the uniform of our country. Probably, yes. yes at 21 and a half years, retired Lieutenant Colonel chaplain and um right now i i'm angry frustrated um uh, tearful all of that and very very concerned about not this present moment as much as i am about the future moment so shooting my shot this morning or this uh evening rather today is really all about Breonna Taylor, the injustice that we are dealing with in this country. And people have said that the justice system is broke. It's not. It's doing exactly what it was uh, uh, supposed to do. Yeah. That is, lock us up and let everybody else go free. There you have it. We're going to touch on that, Bishop. We're going we're gonna to back up a little bit to, to your sports days, just kind of your background. So... Uh, like I said, I, I heard you were a basketball player. So what, what was the start or, or the love for basketball? Where did that come from? Well, I tell you what, um, um, my love for the game came from, um, me being taller than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. <laughs> you know, you can't coach tall, baby. <laughs> <laughs> And the 
of fact that I remember so well, my brother, one of my oldest brothers, I'm the youngest of 11. Okay. Five boys and five girls. And my brother went to the Navy, came home. I was playing high school basketball at the time. Never forget it. And he says, Jeff, I'd love to see your name in the paper one day. That did something for me. Um, and actually, at the time, I wasn't playing high school. I was just playing. I, was, I wasn't even. I was probably uh, in elementary school. But the bottom line is, is that my love for the game came from, you know, a uh, house full of boys, uh, being tall, and uh, wanting to be like um, Paul Silas. Mm. You don't know who he is. I, I do know who Paul. I know him from coaching. I don't. I don't remember him playing. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember him playing. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no game, no game in terms of shooting, but I could go get that ball off the uh, backboard. Okay. Yeah, so-, so that's where my love of the game started. And uh, I really enjoyed it uh, playing. You know, I played um, 24 and 1 in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost in the sectionals. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. I saw the 20, because uh, you were a co-captain, right, uh, in the high school team. Mm-hmm. And uh, 20, 24 and 1, I'm like, okay, maybe you just got that one loss, but y'all lost in the sectionals. Lost in the sectionals. Mm. Do you yeah. remember You remember some something from that game? I do, and um, I got a technical. <laughs> <laughs> and that technical turned the game. Mm. I, I'll never forget it. That taught me a lesson that I've I've never forgotten, and uh, that goes all the way back to 1977. I'll never forget that. Now it was rumored to this day. You can get people out of my high school class that will tell you that uh, the game uh, was um, the referees were bought mm. against us, um, and that a um, a famed KKK in our country, in our, our county, uh, paid the referees because my high school team. Now, this is this is all rumor, but you can always hear it in my hometown to this day. That um, my high school team, in every varsity sport, we only lost one game. Wow! Wow! In every from golf to tennis to football. To basketball and well anyhow here's the story the uh this um famed kkk guy um did not like the fact that this this black team uh was going to go to the state when the predominantly white football team didn't mm-hmm. pay for the referees um and we played the game against raleigh raleigh broughton high school um and it was unbelievable. All of the fi- all of the starters fouled out wow. by by the end by the fourth quarter. I was the only starter left. I had a reaction to a call the referee made, and he called a tech, and I'll never forget it. Never forget it. Wow. This is Goldsboro, North Carolina, right? Goldsboro, North Carolina. The school board gave us trophies that said twenty four and zero. Wow, because it was that controversial. Yeah. Like people, you could see it. Yep. Wow. 
Some things don't change, do it? No. <laughs> no. I think we're going to have a, con a consistent history lesson right here tonight. So, Absolutely, so man. what position did you play? I played center. I, um, I mean, go back a minute. Uh, this is, you know, before everybody were giants. So I was a uh, 6'4 center. And uh, we had a front line, 6'4", 6'4", 6'5", front line in Ooh. high school. Wasn't bad. No, yeah, not bad right? at all. That's Absolutely. a good size. Yeah, and your so, and your job you was grabbing the boards, killing the boards. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be precise. If it was off that board, I had that ball, That's and I'll awesome. never forget it. One time when we played, one of our teams and Dean Smith came to uh, scout us. Wow. Okay. Personally came. Okay. And so you know, North Carolina, Dean Smith on the sidelines. I mean, you know. What can you say? Mm -hmm. And uh, I got 13 rebounds that day. Never forget it. I called you Windex that night, huh? Windex, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Not stuff. Hey, clean it up, clean it up. So who did you model your game after? Was it Paul? It was Paul Silas. Nice. nice. He couldn't shoot worth a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... 11 brothers and sisters growing up in the household. So that definitely makes you competitive, man. How was that growing up? It was very competitive. And, um, you know, I got beat up a lot. I was the youngest. Oh, and, that's right. <laughs> and and uh, it, the script has flipped, though. I'm more the Joseph in the family now. Uh-oh. <laughs> Get him. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, he sent me forward. So... <laughs> Uh, it was really uh, a competitive time, but a loving time. It's nothing like a large family. Absolutely. Nothing. Absolutely. And it was definitely loving. Your parents didn't have Netflix back then. It was just chill. Yeah. <laughs> just chill, baby. <laughs> That's all it, it was. was Ed, it was watching the Ed Sullivan show. Uh -huh. Show. And all those variety shows. That's what uh, that's what we did. That's awesome. <laughs> So, so moving forward to after high school, how how did you select the college that you were going to? How did I select the college? Yeah, North, North Carolina. North Carolina. Greensboro. Well, you know, let's go back now. You remember remember what I said? Mm -hmm. I was um, I couldn't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> So mm. nobody trying to really scout no guy that just rebounds. Right. And um, <laughs> so I really recruited myself. I got some letters. I got some letters. Man, what can I think of? Uh, got a letter from North University of North Carolina at Greensboro, which is where I eventually went. went. Mm -hmm. um, man, I got a, two other letters that I can think of. One of them is in South Carolina. I can't think of the school, but they really uh, they do well today. But at any rate, I uh, got a letter from University of North Carolina Greensboro. I wrote the coach back myself. Nice. There you go. And uh, he invited me to um, uh, to the campus. I went to the campus, fell in love with the campus, and um, and then I went. But I only played one year. Okay. Okay. So. The, so the fact that you couldn't shoot was one factor, right? Right. But what was right. the thing that really... Yeah, you didn't have to repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just paying attention. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but you were tall though you're tall bishop so um what was that kind of factor like how did you go through that decision right because you know you 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 did the due diligence you wrote the coach you got there and then first semester you're like man this ain't for me (laughs) yeah it wasn't for me because remember now a couple things here one a college team and i you know i didn't know this is not like a high school team these guys you grew up with got you and we were tight we were close and uh, actually, in our sophomore year, the seniors, uh, they drank on the bus, in the back of the bus. They smoked all kind of weed. <laughs> very, you know, they just weren't in it. And, and I remember all of us juniors, uh, we didn't like that. When we played our first game against Wilson Fike, um, I gathered all the guys together under the goal. It was away. And I said, we're not going to lose this year. Okay. We're not going to be like the uh, the guys, and I call their names. <laughs> and, said, uh, and, and we prayed. Mm-hmm. And we did not lose that year. And uh, so when you come to, when you think of that, we were tight. We were close. When you go to college, yeah. um, not so much. You know, if you don't have a good coach to then make a team then you just got a bunch of guys every man for himself just doing their thing every man for himself (laughs) right and i wasn't used to that Uh i was a role player i was comfortable being a role player okay well role players get run over when you got a lot of egos for sure and i was not that i did not know how to manage um college yeah and so I saw the fact that my school at that time, you know, it's a D2 school now uh, with uh, college basketball. It wasn't then. Mm-hmm. It was, and, what was um, it, D3 or D? I don't know about D12. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was D3. It was right. D3. And so, um, and it was about those books. Yes. And I was flunking out. Mm. And I made the most... And as that decision that I made at that time, uh-huh. I count to this day, was uh, was a decision that I look back on and helped me make decisions to this day. Right. I decided that I had been playing basketball for everybody else, um, my brother, my family, right. and everybody, and that I needed to do something for myself, and I wanted to stay in college. So I let basketball go, and I got into those books, um, so I could get out of that school. Man, that's fantastic! Wow. And then you, after you locked in on academia, you didn't stop. You got like umpteen degrees, man. You got all kind. You got the alphabet soup behind your name, man. <laughs> <laughs> but that's amazing to do that, right? Because I think that sometimes we forget that. Um, just taking the time to invest in yourself, that's a, that's an investment. So educating yourself. And, so. and, and that's the importance of, of college, as I always kind of repeat. Oh, my just kinda gosh. Learn, you just learn yourself in college. You can so, learn yeah, outside of college. You can. <laughs> that's very true. This is our internal debate. This is a Bishop. debate, Bishop. We, we, we go back and forth with this one. <laughs> But, so he's going to win tonight because I'm on his side. <laughs> oh, my. Well, Bishop, you can learn outside because we're getting into that when we talk about the uh, uh, I lead well, Academy. So well, well, so you may you may jump on my side when we get down that way. That's true. <laughs> we, you double, Bishop, it's cool to double Dutch right now. <laughs> 
Bishop, now, now I, there's something else that I don't know if this was caused, so correct me if I'm wrong, but we picked up something uh, after dropping the basketball. We picked up some uh, a mirror and uh, some candy canes, and uh, your, your shoulders started moving a little bit. Uh, talk to me about that uh, that life there. Hey. That's, I, um, well... <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he, I got to give you the, uh, yeah. the, the the PG version yeah, of that the, one. The shoulders got a little wet. <laughs> start wiggling a little yeah, bit. Huh? Candy cane starts twirling. <laughs> yeah, candy cane start twirling, but it didn't twirl until after college. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. I did graduate. Uh, another another story, you know, one learning yourself, coming to know who you are in college, undergrad in particular. We did not have fraternities or sororities. We had service fraternities and sororities at mm. UNCG my, uh, when I was there. My senior year, though, they allowed, um, you know, the real fraternities to come on, if you will, um, the Divine Nine to come on okay. campus. And um, campus came, of course, and it was my senior year. I made another uh, adult decision. One was I had struggled to, I've struggled in my books. I did not learn how to study all of that. I had to learn. I was a jock in high school. I mean, you know, who went to class? <laughs> my class and, is optional at that point, right? Class is optional and my coach just got us out. Whenever we wanted to get out, he just wrote us a thing. And, there you and, go. And you know how it is in high school and the team is winning and the school was very athletic. Like I said, all of the varsity sports were winners. So the we were the quintessential jocks on the on the yard. There you go. So uh, when I got to college, though, they weren't feeling that. And but at bottom line is that my senior year, I was the black student union president. Um, and I was doing my level best to get up out of there. Uh, I had not yet gotten a a cumulative GPA of a two point I started out with a 0. .50, and you got to get a 2.0 to graduate. Right. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but it just really took a lot of hard work. So here again is another difficult decision that wasn't that difficult. I said, if I pledge Kappa mm -hmm. after they whoop my head <laughs> and you know beat my butt, allegedly, it allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> chance I won't graduate. Okay. Grades. So I said, I will put this off. I was trying to, I was in ROTC. Said, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to get out of here. And so I made a decision. I wasn't going to pledge. So I pledged a graduate chapter, mm. my first duty station, Syracuse alumni chapter, mm -hmm. 1982, um, June 18th. About six nineteen when I crossed the sands. Burning yes, sands. sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, we want to take it into the game, man. We want to discover and talk about, you know, how did you become a bishop? It was definitely work, and, and you know, how do you ultimately get to new life? So, what was the first step? Because you um, committed your life to Christ at twelve, at an early age, right? So, having that real conviction. You know, how did that process lead to uh, where you are today? Uh, you know, um, I did a lot, you know, giving my life 
to Christ at age 12, mm -hmm. of course, being called to preach at 13, uh, coming up in a um, house where your dad is a preacher mm -hmm. and all of that, the PK, it's all around you. Uh, now, the pressure of being a PK typically turns PKs out. <laughs> right. Sure. And it did, in fact, turn my brothers and sisters out. Mm. I made a decision watching their lives. Okay. We're, we're all with the Lord now. But I made a decision watching their lives to say, that wasn't going to be me. It's not my route. It's not going to be me. I've seen the anguish and the pain that they bring to my parents. And I'm seeing that these are the, the steps they're making from drugs. My brother sold drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, then my brother got on heroin. This is back in the days of heroin. Yeah. And um, I can remember looking through, and this is in one of my books, in my first book, I can remember looking through the crack in the bathroom door and seeing him shoot up. Oh, boy. And, and seeing that kind of thing convinced me that that ain't what I want to do. Right, right. And so that just put me on that track to doing whatever I could to progress into uh, being successful in whatever I decided to do. So it was ministry. It was uh, being an Air Force officer, then a chaplain, and then uh, on to being a independent or non-denominational church, connecting with a uh, college of bishops. Pentecostals African American College of Bishops, uh, which has criteria similar to Kojic, similar to United Holy Church. And, okay. Um, and it, I came up through that, and then I was consecrated. Actually, consecrated um, eleven years, uh, October the tenth. Wow! Congratulations. That's amazing. For sure. So yeah. through that, through that like uh, that collection, is that where it, it said under the spiritual covering of uh, Bishop Jakes, T.D. Jakes? Um, I, now, I, I read the, in the Bible. Yeah, that that comes as a result of uh, because you have this consortium of independent churches, okay. uh, denominational churches, uh -huh. and um, again we have this pursuit of going after things, which you know, which I've always done. So. Uh, being under his covering, um, how can I say it? Every Tom, Dick, and Harry doesn't get under his covering. <laughs> no, I yeah. definitely understand that. We do. And so I pursued it. Um, they vetted me and um, and accepted me. And that's how that happened. Now, in resort of that, was that the move to uh, Illinois or you guys were in Illinois uh, prior to. We were already in Illinois, and the church was already going. I, I've been under him now uh, uh, over five years. Okay, okay. How, how did you guys? How did you guys get to Illinois, uh, Bishop? If you don't mind, mind me asking. Oh no, I, we got here via the military. Via the military. Oh, okay. I retired out of Scott Air Force Base got here, it. and uh, we got here. I came here kicking and screaming. So <laughs> <laughs> like my mom. Yeah, yeah like, your mom. like, are you kidding me? <laughs> All that coin, <sighs> God is not there. <laughs> but this is where He called me, yes, sir. and I and it really impressed upon me 
um, that I was called here when uh, this, you know, nationally uh, wonderful pastor, won't call his name, but he said that, uh, said to me, he said, I could not have made a successful ministry in this cornfield. Wow. And that hit me Mm -hmm. like a ton of bricks. You have to be called to the place that you're at, Mm -hmm. not just the church, but to that region. So God gave me what he needed me to have to be successful in the Midwest. That's and I'm awesome. happy here. That's awesome. That is big time. So one of the things that I think was really interesting is that um, another tie to sports is you actually have a dedicated uh, sports or athletic ministry. And, um, you know, I've traveled, you know, I've lived in different parts, and that's really the first time I've heard of, you know, a church, especially of your size, um, dedicating and understanding how, um, you know, as an athlete, we, there's so many values and cores and things that, you know, bring us into sports and we learn from it, but that you've dedicated a ministry to that. So what gave you that, you know, spark or, or, or tell us just a little bit about that athletic ministry. Well, the piece is this, uh, you, I understood that you've got to give men something to do or they're not going to hang around. Yeah. Okay. They're not going to connect to your church just come into church. That's what women do. I ain't throwing shade. I'm just speaking facts. Facts. Yes, sir. Um, men, you're going to have to give them something to do. Uh, because what the first thing a man does when he comes into a room with a lot of men, he sees who's the man, who's the man on the top of the hill. Yeah. And then he sides up whether you can knock him off. <laughs> knock him off, you knock him off, and you become the guy on the top of the hill. <laughs> right. If you can't knock him off, you decide then, okay, I'm either going to serve him, and then how, and any service that I get, is it going to be of any kind of substantial way? Mm-hmm. And if it is, then I'll hang around. But if it's not, then I'm gone. Mm-hmm. That's true in any organization. Wow. A man role. So giving, then having a sports ministry, uh, give men one more thing that says you are important. We acknowledge you and you are recognized. You are the preacher in this church is not the only man that is recognized in this church. Man. And I, and I, and that even goes back to, just your role of on on the basketball team in high school and early in the college as as the rebounder, you said yourself you was a role player, so you weren't the one that was you know shooting and, and scoring thirty points a game, but that person that was scoring thirty points a game he knew how important you were to the team and to success. So that's that's big time. Yeah, it is, and and so and so I tell the men of the church all the time, I need strong men around me. Mm-hmm. Any man that don't want strong men around them always wants soft legs around them is a problem. <laughs> and so um, that I always wanted strong men around, and I'm oh, I'm comfortable with that. And that's part of that, as you said, the whole role play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think men buy into that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, is it just basketball that you lead off with or have you developed, like, is it going into like a, a multiple sports? I did play one year football. My number was 88. Uh, <laughs> okay. And, uh, and nothing has nothing to do with Michael Irvin, man. I saw, I think that you may be a Cowboys fan and I was hoping that's, that's not the truth. It's Drew is Pearson. It? Is it Drew Pearson? That was Drew Pearson, but it was before Drew Pearson's day. Just okay. Before that was um, John Mackey. Ooh, you know, yeah. 
See, again, you know, <laughs> I do. Pop, Pop's taught me well. I know John Mackey. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Baltimore coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and so I really liked him, and that's I wore his number, and uh, I enjoyed playing football. Love football. And yes, I am a cowboy fan, but I am not intimately involved with him. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. I love that. <laughs> now, now, let me explain. If you get intimately involved with the Cowboys, heartbreak, you will break your heart. Heartbreak. <laughs> so oh, you have to know the limits. Let's... You cannot let them stay over at night. <laughs> Let's go, Bishop. <laughs> dropping wisdom to these guys. They need to hear that. Tell them again for the people in the cheap seats. <laughs> yeah. You can't let them spend the night. <laughs> go home, bro. You know what? I appreciate that. From every Cowboy fan listening, you have learned. That, that was a nugget and some wisdom for you guys <laughs> to proceed and be successful in life. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, so huh, definitely – you know, we listen to you and we appreciate you always feeding us and pouring into us, even though, you know, we're miles away. We can get you digitally. Yes, sir. Um, Want to get into some of the topics of the time today and just really how you're really dealing with it. It's so heavy and and we need leadership from from our faith based people. How are you handling that, like, with your congregation? Because I know we still, we're watching, you know, online. We haven't been back to, you know, our, yeah, our, our, our church here, so it's yeah. been online. But how are you dealing with COVID and then all these social injustice issues and, and really engaging, um, you know, engaging the congregation? Yep. Well, of course, you know, we are virtually now. We, we are worshiping virtually. We are going to stick our toe in the water and do some reserve-only church, um, hopefully the first Sunday okay. in October. Um, so the way we're dealing with the COVID piece is that I really am emphasizing that we're not going to call people's faith into question <laughs> if they uh, are okay. comfortable having virtual church, and that we will go at the pace of people's comfort level. I was very, I'm very clear about that. That's awesome. I won't won't tolerate this whole business of people, you know, talking about, well, you go to, you go to Home Depot, you go to the grocery store. store, You ought to be able to go to to church. Well, you know, first of all, that's not fair. You don't understand. You don't know what is going on in the person's life. You don't know whether they have uh, elderly people they're connected with. You don't know uh, what kind of, uh, previous uh, conditions that they may have, you have no clue. And then it's not our business to be calling people's faith into question in that way. Right. So that's, first of all, that's the first thing. Second thing is church is a very different thing. Mm -hmm. We hug, we embrace. Yes, sir. Um, uh, If you're in African-American tradition, uh, the preacher preaches with great passion. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, of uh, body fluids got coming out of his mouth. Right. It truly is. You literally, if it's six feet away, you literally, with the force of the average African-American preacher preaching, you're probably spreading the front row. (laughs) (laughs) You you literally are. (laughs) Asking then, okay, y'all need to come here and sit under this when we don't have to do this. Right. Third of all, um, 
I believe, and I'm preaching this to the to the congregation, I believe that this is God um, um, cutting the umbilical cord of the building. Mm. We, why do we feel as if that we are mm. only a church when we can come to church? Yes. Yes. Say it Good again God. for the people in the back, Pastor. <laughs> Standing in this moment, uh-huh. wow. I really need you to be the ecclesia, the called out ones, mm. where you are. <laughs> and so I call it the COVID church, writing a book on that, probably will be out sometime next year. Okay. Um, and so that's how I handled the, the COVID piece. We, like I said, we're going to stick our foot in the water um, with the... Uh, restraints of the governor. Uh-huh. We have about 259 people. But what I have heard from my peers, even with the reserve church, only 35 to 45 percent of the people are showing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that man that handles that. Okay. The other piece with respect to what we're dealing with right now, mm-hmm. I am preaching. I I was formally trained out of social justice seminary. So that's the type of messages I'm preaching right yes, now. Sir. All right. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. My formal training and my master's in divinity uh, and my doctorate of ministry um, comes out of one of the leading seminaries in the country. Uh, and that's the Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology out of uh, Richmond, Virginia. And it, it leads in training pastors this social gospel, that particular uh, prescript of scripture and teaching. Now, interestingly enough, I just finished my PhD from a church that is totally opposite of that. Okay. And that's Regents University. That's Pat Robinson, who embraces uh, Donald Trump. Mm. So I, I have a look on both sides of the world. Which is needed, right? I mean, you, you have to understand um, to be uh, well-rounded, right? You have to understand both sides of the things to, to, to be of value, right? To tell a complete and full story. Absolutely. So in studying, is this where uh, Coon Theology came from? Coon Theology, <laughs> baby. <laughs> hey, I love that, love that man of boy. <laughs> we tuned in. I watched it a couple times. So tell the people about Coon Theology. Coon theology is when you are so full of self-hatred to the point you do not even recognize it. Wow. And that um, you have been so brainwashed into thinking that the norm is that of majority culture and that you have no right to call the norm into question that we believe for some reason or another that norms are in fact right. They're not right. Absolutely. As they are the norm. All right. And so Kuhn <laughs> theology is they then embrace the norm and push back when you find Black Lives Matter um, and you don't have to agree with everything in Black Lives Matter, but mm-hmm. the core impetus of Black Lives Matter, uh, no one needs that's Black need to be pushing back on that. 
right. 1000% <laughs> at <Yeah>. all. <laughs> at all. And so Kuhn theology is that you start embracing the man's approach and you then look at your own life mm-hmm. through the lens of normative behavior that's been set by Western culture. Yeah. Wow. And it's like I almost don't even want to get off of that, but we do have to jump into these quick hits, but we can jump back into it, man. So okay. um, our quick hits are sponsored by Thick Fit. When it comes to your health, it starts in the kitchen. Whether you're losing weight, staying fit, it starts with what you eat. Thick Fit Meal Prep is here to help you along your journey, providing you healthy, delicious meals that are easy, on the go, fitting in everyone's lifestyle. Call 702-850-3388 or on Instagram at Thick Fit Meal Preps. Miles, hit him with them quick hits. Bang, bang. So, Bishop, was there a time, if ever, uh, that you were starstruck? Great question. <laughs> yes. I mean, I saw you had the late John Lewis in, your, in, in the congregation. That yeah. was dope. Super. Yeah, it has been. I think I was starstruck when I was stationed in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. And we went to Bountiful Blessings, the late Bishop G.E. Patterson's church. Mm. Mm. And to be there and sit in his off, uh, to sit in the pulpit and watch him preach. That's crazy. And then to have, to drive him to Carlton Pearson's consecration where he was the homilist and to be in the car driving for him from Memphis to Tulsa. I was so nervous. <laughs> I didn't even sleep the night before because <laughs> I didn't want to be late. This is the day before nav systems and all of that. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was a wreck. Cause I was like, I'm going to be in the car with this man for five plus hours. <laughs> Got Star- it. Starstruck. Duke or North Carolina? Both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, so- I'm an ACC guy. Okay. I'm- I'm out of the state. I'm, I'm in the Midwest big 10 country and all of that. Uh, which ain't, there ain't nobody out here got no game. Uh, Kansas, I should say Kansas, they do have a game like that. But I would say, uh, so I feel free to go for either one of them, which is really, um, uh, that is what is the word I'm searching for, um, to be from North Carolina and to say both really is sacrilegious. Yes. <laughs> but I, but since I'm out of the state, both. Both, okay. So since you mentioned 88, I want you to start, cut, and bench three number 88s that are Cowboys, okay? So obviously we got Michael Irvin, we have Drew Pearson, and we have Des Bryant. Start one of them, put one of them on the bench, and one you got to cut. Okay, say the names again. Drew Pearson. He's starting. <laughs> okay. There it is. So now it's between Des, uh, Des and Bryant and Michael, Michael Irving. Irving. 
I'm I'm not letting either one of them even in the locker room. Oh, <laughs> he, he said he, hey, he's subbing for a trade. Hey, can we trade both 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 of them? <laughs> both of them. <laughs> oh, that's the best that right there. <laughs> that's it. Quick hits. All right. So hey, now we want to jump into the winner's circle. This is the platform. This is where we talk about you know what's up next, what you're pushing, what you're promoting. And, you know, we, we had that talk and, um, you know, we brought it up a little bit earlier, but uh, you have a podcast, um, I Lead, and I just wanted to know a little bit about that. And is that also comprised of uh, some training as well? It is. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to bring iLeadAcademy.net up. It is my learning management system uh, of which uh, I teach leadership training and development on. And it's a subscription-based piece. Uh, it's easy to remember, iLeadAcademy.net. You can go to it. Uh, you can um, subscribe. And it teaches you, helps you uh, lead yourself, uh, lead in your home, uh, lead in your career, or lead in the church. And so it, and do that. And it starts out with a, a, um, a survey that you take a self-assessment. And then from that, it points you into the direction that you need to go. And so uh, I'm really, really happy about that, excited about it. And in fact, I, I have intended, if it is okay with you all, yeah. uh, to use your podcast. And I really appreciate, honor that you guys would ask me to be a part, to put this on my podcast as well. Um, so, um, you know, to just get it out there and all. Uh, I'm excited about it. I've had um, guests from the governor of Illinois to the U uh, U.S. Senator um, to the congressman. Uh, I um, had most of the uh, leaders in the state um, on the podcast, and then I've had um, leaders in the spiritual world as well. Wow. So not only the podcast, you mentioned you've written several books and yes, it looks sir. like we have another one that you're going to be writing the COVID yeah. <laughs> book is like, but your uh, next book that's coming out is family ish. When is that dropping? And, and what's the story behind that book? The story behind that book is, is a book about how to raise a fabulous family or covenant family. And that one has uh, the four things that uh, the book shares uh, I can't give them all now because then you won't buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> there are uh, actually actually five things that really causes one to be able to create a covenant fabulous family. It not only does teaches that, but it takes each type of family uh, with these same principles as to how it makes it. Now, here's the thing. Uh, from blended families to um, uh, to traditional families, to single families, to sandwich families, to military families, there's a chapter on each one. Okay. There's also a chapter on same-sex families. Hmm. And uh, I think that it's going to be very interesting for yeah. uh, those of, of my faith and people in faith to read to that read chapter. That. Absolutely. It is... Um, the story of um, congregants in my church who are same sex. Mm -hmm. uh, they are very um, upfront about it. 
um, and they have a family. And so I share their story um, from a perspective of grace. And uh, I think um, the listeners will really want it. Now, I said, when is it going to drop? It should drop about the end of October. I've had it for some time. It's oh, finished. Okay. I just added this. Uh, I'm just wrapping up a few things. And since COVID, I've decided to first drop it digitally. Got to. Yeah, so it will drop about the end of October. Okay. You know, Bishop, something with that, um, families are units in, in unity. And uh, what's interesting now, I mean, this has been a tough time for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. But what's, what's interesting is in the church, it seems like there's division there, right? So it's, it's, uh, you're not a real Christian if you're on this side and this side is the real Christian. It's like, so, I mean, what do you feel about that? How, how, you know, how, how do you feel about that? White silence is violence. Hmm. That's how I feel. Plain and simple. <laughs> so I got a uh, question for you as well. And if I could get this in real quick, go ahead. What, what we have now is white evangelicals who are complicit to a liar. And because of the sanctity of life issue, which I understand, right. I agree with them a hundred percent. I also agree with the position about LGBTQ. And uh, I understand that. I agree with them on that. Mm -hmm. But in Psalms, it tells us, I think it's 89 and 10, I think. I'd have to remember to get that for you. Uh, it says that the God's throne is on righteousness and justice. And justice. And justice. Yes, you talked about that. It's both. You it's can't not. have just one. It's both of them. It's both. So then you want to only hold us and say it's about righteousness and therefore we should be a single issue voter, irregardless of the life of the person we're voting for. I don't agree with that. Right. And I also say that there is division because you want me to go with one commandment and there are 10. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so, Along with that, because this was my next question, I think that was just a perfect lead into it. You do so much. I mean, you guys just over there at the, the church are involved in so many things, man. I'm seeing like the NWACP, a lot of uh, enrichment, you know, uh, mentoring and things like that. Will you be doing something like a voting seminar or a voting push to, to, to have people want, understand that they need to register and then make sure they understand the, um, the importance of voting this year? We, we did it in 2016. Uh, the pandemic is prohibiting that because nobody's trying to gather. Uh, what I am doing uh, is I am participating and we're going to be going on a 40-day uh, fast and consecration with some of the leading pastors in the country through change.org, Black Clergy uh, Alliance. Okay. And um, some of uh, the leading, Freddie Haynes, um, Frank Reed, Bishop Frank Reed, Bishop Vashti McKenzie, uh, uh, Cynthia Hill, um, Bishop uh, uh, Dr. Barber, um, Barbara, 
um, Pastor Tracy Blackman, and the list goes on. And it is something that we're going to be pushing and starting this Friday, 40 days of prayer and fasting and consecration up to including the day of election. election. Wow. And from those 40 days, starting uh, on the 2nd, uh, no, the 5th of October will be one hour of prayer on a Facebook Live. And uh, I'm leading the one on October the 12th. Okay. That's what I'm doing. Uh, the registration piece is a little difficult now because you you know it's no it's no gathering. Right. Yeah, that's that definitely makes it tough. But yeah, doing what you can and, and collectively and, and just you know getting that message out. Um, one other question I have for you. So you know I know we just mentioned that uh, you know the late uh, John Lewis had um, you know come to your service, and one of the questions I I usually pose to Miles and a lot of my good friends is. Where are our national black leaders? And um, wondering, because you came up, you know, you had a time, like you said, of people that have come and led and serve and had a overall agenda to, to, you know, put us in a better place. What do we need to do to kind of either support or, you know, follow or become those black leaders of the future? Um, well, first of all, I just want to make a minor correction with the, the, the pieces that you see with John Lewis and everything, that was a community event okay. held at another church called New Life. Okay. Right here in the area. Uh, we're in O'Fallon, uh, Illinois, of course, and he was in East St. Louis at a church called New Life. Oh, New Life. Got it. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but we were all there uh, unified in supporting him being there. So, uh, which was a good piece, you know, none of the churches were like, oh, well, why is he over there? He can't come to my church. <laughs> right. All came together, which was a really just a good feel, good fit mm -hmm. at the time. A great pastor at New Life Community, uh, Granger. Um, and, uh, but at any rate, any rate, um, <clears throat> I just think that um, how do we grow leaders to step into this moment? On one on my first podcast, in fact, Jamal Bryant spoke to this, and he said that the Black Lives Matter movement is the first civil rights movement that did not originate in the church. Oh and wow! Therefore, it has protests but does not have policy. Wow. And as a result of that, um, it lacks a central figure. Mm -hmm. Now, the decentralization of Black Lives Matter is good, but it cuts both ways. Yes. And so the decentralization is, you know, it causes an organization to be nimble, to be flexible, and to apply itself to whatever is in that context. Correct. Um, it cuts the other way that when you need a unified voice, one voice speaking, then when you don't have that. Right. right. That's lost. Mm. It's lost. But I believe, and John Lewis pushed this, that those leaders, uh, those next leaders are in Black Lives Matter right now. Um, and we have to believe that somebody will emerge, many will emerge, and... Um, and then we will all come together. I, I think more this time 
than with um, Michael Brown. I think this time around, there's more of a connection between Black Lives Matter and the Black Church. Yes, sir. Well, that's good. First time around with Mike Brown, it wasn't as much. Tracy Blackman, Pastor Tracy Blackman, is a dear friend of mine. She was in the midst of that okay. uh, over in Ferguson, right, uh, Missouri. Uh, but I think there's more of a connection now, um, and I hear um, leading black pastors like the ones that I was just on this call with earlier today, uh-huh. fending and coming um, to the defense of Black Lives Matter. In fact, I have my shirt on today. I thought I was going to be on TV when I was talking with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) It looked good, extra medium. It looks good on you, Bishop. (laughs) But at any rate, man. But I think that's what has to happen, is that um, we permit them to emerge. And and I I believe that they will. I don't know how we formalize it, though. Right. Because in Black Lives Matter, it's led by, as we said, decentralized, but um, it's very diverse um, in every way to include sexual orientation. Yes. And that there has, therein lies, how do we manage that? How do we manage that? Mm -hmm. Do we look at and say, okay, we have more things and we have more greater common good than we do how we differ on this particular biblical issue right here. No, that's no, that's spot on. <laughs> that's 100%. definitely spot on. All right, so time flies when you're having fun. Uh, Bishop, we uh, bring this part of the show. We like to call it the assist, but tonight we want to call it the manna. So oh. we want you to give us the text to talk and the takeaway. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but what we want to do is just kind of, if you could give us, you know, a gym, a coaching moment, a, a, a mantra to live by, a scripture, or just something that's a great takeaway for everything that we're dealing with, but just something that resonates with you that would be great for our audience. But yeah, just if you want to leave us with something tonight, um, the floor is yours. Wow, you guys, you make it so hard. <laughs> oh, man, let me think here. I think that where we are right now, is we are in a do or die. Mm. If we do not seize this moment, we can die in many ways economically, uh, socially, and culturally. Not culturally, let me take that back, Uh, but um, economically. And the struggle that we have is that what we are praying for other Christians are praying against. (laughs) And the concern is if the president is reelected or steals the election as it is reported that he has every intent on doing, then they will claim that God has spoken. Mm-hmm. And so um, we may be in for a rough ride. 
2020 may not be over. Ugh. To that end, we have to then hold on to the Lord with all our might. Because when we look at the biblical writ, it tells us that there were far more corrupt kings over Israel and Judah than there were honest kings. So if they made it, we will make it. Yes, sir. We gon' make, make it. it. <laughs> wow. That's a word. Yo, thank you. That was honored, Bishop. I was truly honored. And I mean, thank you, you know, definitely for staying up for us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Hey, we truly appreciate you. Thank you. We're definitely going to put a lot of this stuff in the show notes and, you know, we'll follow up with you, you know, of course, down the line and uh, also make sure we, we do share the manna here. Oh, so if you didn't know what we were talking about, that's that the, the, the manna that we uh, t- check in with pastor morning, um, manna every, every day, get you through the day to make sure you get poured into. So once again, thank you, Bishop. Uh, we want to thank the people for listening. I also want to thank our sponsors. Please give us feedback on the show. We are Black in Sports on all of your platforms, on your social media platforms. And uh, make sure you hit subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. Don't forget, The Locker Room is our short format shows. We drop those every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. And remember, please stay safe, practice gratitude, and know we're rooting for you. Screaming, all us Blacks got sports and entertainment until we even... Assuming I'm rooting for everybody in black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody in black. Yeah. 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 Assuming I'm rooting for everybody in black. Spat bouts and racks on handmade new rags. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody in black. I'm sorry, everybody from sports to college class to rap.